Hey, what is going on, everyone? This is another episode of Doable Discipleship. I am your host, Brandon Robinson, usually joined by uh, our co-host, Jason Wheeland. He is still out being an incredible dad uh, to his new baby girl. So Jason, if you're listening, uh, we're still praying for you. We love you. and We're excited to have you back on the podcast. As you guys know, this is the show that helps you grow, a show designed to deepen your faith in God. So I'm really excited for the episode today. We have Rob Jacobs, who is- Hey, everybody. Hey, everyone. Exactly. He is a spiritual growth uh, pastor at Saddleback Church. And also, we are joined by Craig Davis. Craig Davis is the spiritual formation pastor at Rose Drive Friends Church in Yorba Linda. He leads retreats in Oregon and California, has a wealth of knowledge. So I I really believe he's going to bless the episode today. So really excited to hop into it. So as you guys know, we've been talking through this concept of time. Uh, We've talked through Kronos time, Kairos time, how we relate to it, how God relates to time. But today we're going to get into the practical nitty gritty side and look at time through the lens of spiritual practices. Um, And specifically, how do we leverage the time that we have? How do we um, engage the time that we have? How do we use the time that we have uh, instead of time using us? Um, So luckily, we are not the first people to think about this. This is a rich tradition uh, in the church and there's tons of practices out there that can help us. So we're going to get into the Sabbath today. We're going to get into slowing down and we're going to get into silence and solitude. But as we get into it, I want us to not think about spiritual disciplines or spiritual practices um, as something that we have to perform at a hundred percent. I kind of like to think of them as invitations. They're an invitation, invitations to enter into the life of Jesus into, and really into our own life. Um, So really special, really special time today, Rob, uh, there's a few things, what kind of what's called hurry sickness. Um, What does that look like? How can we know, Ooh, I might not be leveraging time the way I think I'm leveraging time. Uh, This is difficult for me or yeah, maybe time is using me and I'm not using my time. Well, what are some of those things uh, that can kind of, we can use as a diagnostics test for ourselves to figure out where we're at in relationship to time. Yeah. That, and, and the reason that I love having Craig on is because he and I really connected around this uh, book by a pastor up in, um, up in Portland, John Mark Comer. He has a book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Yeah. And in his book, he identifies what he calls the 10 symptoms of hurry sickness. I thought it'd be interesting just to kind of throw these out for our listeners. One of them is irritability, um, getting mad, getting frustrated, getting annoyed way too easily. That might be a sign of hurry sickness. Uh, Hypersensitivity, just like one little comment, and man, and you are wrecked, you're off, you're angry, you're mad. Um, A restlessness. When you try to slow down, you can't relax. Um, You try to do Sabbath, and you hate it because you just, you got, you want to keep, keep moving. Uh, Another symptom would be workaholism. It's just nonstop activity. You don't know when to stop or maybe even worse, you can't stop. Um, Another one would be emotional numbness. You just don't feel the capacity to fill another's pain. And in these days, that is an essential uh, piece for us right now. Uh, We need to have this, be able to slow down enough to feel the pain of others, to give uh, empathy. Um, another, Another symptom would be out of order priorities. 
feeling disconnected from your identity, just you're sucked into the tyranny of the urgent. You're not getting done the things that are important to you. You're just getting things done that feel like they have to be done. Uh, maybe you're not caring for your body uh, would be another sign. Yeah. Uh, escapist behaviors, um, things you're trying to look at, social me- getting sucked down the social media wormhole, uh, pornography, um, abusing drugs and food and those kinds of things. That's a, a lot of sign uh, related to just not, not using your time well. Slippage of your spiritual disciplines. You get over busy. You don't spend time in prayer. You don't spend time in the word. You don't slow down to have Sabbath or you know, even just have a good meal with your family. And then another one would be isolation. You get, not only do you feel you're rushed, so you get disconnected from God, which leads to a disconnection from others, but it also leads from a disconnection of yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I thought it was an interesting way that John Mark kind of explains yeah. that hurry sickness uh, in his book. Yeah. And I think, um, all of us at one point or another, even now we can probably relate to a few of those on that list. Um, what I want to get into first is the Sabbath. And I think that's probably something that we have heard before that we're familiar with. Um, it's one of the 10 commandments to keep the Sabbath. Um, but in my experience growing up, at least it wasn't something, it was kind of something that's like, Oh yeah, yeah. The Sabbath that's fine. That's good. I think. Um, but it wasn't, there wasn't a weight around it. There wasn't a, a a serious seriousness around it. Um, so briefly just kind of want to talk about what the Sabbath is. So sometimes I find helpful to talk about what it isn't. So the Sabbath isn't a day, um, for us just to sit on our hands, be grumpy. And the Sabbath isn't a day. It's not like God is putting us on restriction saying like, you're going to take one day, you're on restriction, don't do anything, don't have any fun, sit here and be quiet. That's not what the Sabbath is. The Sabbath is a day instituted by God that we see actually in the creation account of on the seventh day he rested. Uh, It's a day instituted by God to rest, um, to delight in God and things and each other and to to worship. Um, And I like this quote by a pastor, Rich Viotis, he is a pastor in New York City, and he says, the Sabbath is one of the clearest signs of the gospel. He says, you accomplish nothing, and God still loves you. And I love that little quick definition of you accomplish nothing, and God still loves you. And I think what better way um, to understand that than to do it tangibly, to enter into a day where you don't accomplish anything, where it's not uh, a productive high efficiency day. Um, and yet God so loves you. And I think there's something really beautiful with that. Hey, Craig, um, what's your experience been around the Sabbath? When did you start practicing it? What, what did you hear growing up about it? Or what was that like for you getting into the Sabbath and learning about it and ultimately practicing it? Well, thanks, Brandon. It's great to be here with you and Rob. It's great to be with the Saddleback online community. And just to have a, a little bit of time to share, I appreciate the invitation Absolutely. To, to, to share in to, to some of my voice, some of my experience. What you'll hear from me is that um, I, I, I'm still trying to learn so much about mm-hmm. the, the ways that, that Jesus uh, lived his life and gave us a model and an invitation to live um, 
with a full life ourselves. And so just going back a, a second to just to that hurry sickness, who would have thought that it was hurry that really is at the base of, of so many of those feelings and experiences we all share? Who would have thought it was hurry that really is kind of one of the underlying um, problems we have in, in basically dismissing the Sabbath because we've kind of just dismissed the Sabbath as being anything relevant in our society today. And it, it, there's this hurry, this hurry mentality, this hurry pace that we live in that, that we just push beyond that. It doesn't, it doesn't have relevance. It doesn't have meaning. And so for me, uh, honestly, I like most of our culture, I just, I took on the belief um, early in my life, early in my uh, adulthood that, that going to church was the Sabbath. Like we went to church. And so that's how I grew up, my family. And, and that, that was the definition. So um, it was seen uh, as a day off in a lot of ways. And, and sometimes mm-hmm. we have to can't even begin this conversation. Well, what's the difference between Sabbath and, and a day off? What is there a, are we talking about something different there? But the reality is what you're, what you're getting at is, is that this is something, this is actually, when we look at, at Sabbath, we're looking at a gift God has given us. Yeah. Um, a substantial gift. It's, it's a gift that has this value. If you want to kind of look at it from this perspective of one seventh of our life given to rest so that we can experience intimacy with God. And, um, and it, so it, it's offered. And yet are we hurrying past it? And, and for many years, I definitely did. Yeah, that's, that's great. What would you say, or Rob, Craig, would love for you guys to jump on this. How, what, how should we be thinking about Sabbath? Sabbath? How do we even begin to practice it? What are like, and what's an easy, um, maybe easy is not the right word, but what's the, the on-ramp for us to, to get into it? Yeah, I think for me, uh, this is where John Mark's book has been just incredibly helpful, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, um, because what he's helped me to see, um, and, and then I've found some other writers as well, and, and even uh, at the Bible Project, Tim Mackey, they've given some great teachings on the Sabbath, but the whole preparation that goes into this, so we don't view it, if we begin to view it as, as a, really a, a holiday in the week rather than just another day in the week, then it begins to, we begin to understand the significance of, of preparing ourselves for it. Mm-hmm. We, we, that, that in Jewish society, there was a, there's a preparation for the Sabbath that even uh, for those who are practicing it religiously today. And from a Jewish perspective, they are, there's a, a very unique preparation that goes into how things then stop and rest and slow away from work. And, and the gift in that is that, you know, they, the context is that living a life of, of, of slavery, which, of course, in Jewish uh, and biblical scripture, they, they bring out this, this, this history of living in slavery where there was no life, where they were, mm-hmm. they were literally, you know, just continuously worked. They were machines. And so this gift of, of Sabbath and of rest was to be life-giving was to be life-giving. It's when they experienced laughter. It's when they, they sat around a meal. It's when they didn't have to get up and just move on um, from each yeah. other. They were present. Yeah. 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 One of the things that Craig and I talked about, and this is, you know, inspired from the book again, but um, 
that Sabbath is, and you hear, you know, Craig mentioned, you know, the preparation piece of it, but because in, in a lot of ways you want to, I think you want to approach Sabbath as a way of life. It's not just, it's more than, in some ways it's more than just a discipline. It's a, it's a way of thinking about life um, that there is a place and a space of restfulness that, you know, if, if you think about, I think a lot of times on our, our calendar, it's weird. Like if you think Sunday is the first day on the calendar, but most of us think of Sunday is the last day of the week. So mm-hmm. you like stumble into Sunday, you stumble into Sabbath. But if you change the mindset and say, no, Sunday is the first day of the week and I launch into the week from rest, I launch into the week from um being slowed and, and uh, finding that time with, you know, with God and with family and, and just with yourself. Um, that's the place that you launch into your work from so that all that you do in the week is coming from a place of rest. You're not working, stumbling toward rest. Uh, that, that's a great distinction. I really like that. Yeah. You're not, you're Sunday is a day of rest going into the week. And I think, even for me, as you're saying, I think in my head, I still think of Sunday as like, it's the end of the week. And yeah, you, you, you stumble into it. And it's like you rest from everything you did in the week instead of rest being the foundation and the launch pad for you going into the week. I think that's a great distinction. And um, even here with you, you're saying, Craig, about the preparation, I think to establish this rhythm in our lives, we got to plan it. I mean, like put it on the calendar today or this day i'm resting yeah i'd be Um, curious my wife and i've been talking about how we've been doing this intentionally craig like what does it look like for you to intentionally like even just like the nitty-gritty of balancing work and you know your family of like how do you get ready what do you do yeah yeah for me it's so i think we have to acknowledge the season of life we're in so i'm now uh my wife and i are empty nesters so we're in a different season of life um and we're we've had to adapt our our sabbath practice and our preparation to match that and um what we find is of course we're not thinking of the other people who live in our house there they've moved on but we are finding that what we're battling is, is how do we unplug ourselves from our work, uh, especially at this season of life? How do we, you know, how do we put a stop to some of that? So our preparation real simply is um, we've, because I'm in ministry and Sunday is a long day for me. Sunday is a day of work at the church. I'm seeing, I'm doing groups where, where we have a typical on-campus type of ministry. We're having a lot of things going on. So I do Sabbath. Uh, I, I actually kind of adapted and it's just, just works for me. The, the more the traditional Jewish Sabbath of, of sun sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. So that mm. it's a 24 hour period for me. Um, I try to help uh, Saturday uh, Friday is my Friday's my kind of my day off. If, if I get it from my office. So I try to help. Um, it's a diet that for me and our family, I, I kind of look at, having dinner ready. So when my wife gets off work later Friday evening, we can have, we can start with a meal and then we can rest from that meal. And then we can go into Saturday. We usually just try to do things that are fun for us. We love uh, biking on the river trail. We love being with our grandkids. We love doing projects together. And those are all things that are not work for us. Yeah. And, and that's the only boundary It's it's, it's not, not work. And then, uh, 
by Saturday evening, because I go back to work Sunday morning pretty early, I, I do have a little bit of, I give myself then you know, the permission to, you know, to kind of kick back in to be mm-hmm. ready. To, and, and it's coming like what Rob said from a place of rest. And so we've yeah. been practicing this now for the last several years and it is, it's hard. It's challenging to kind of set up a new rhythm. It's so life-giving. Was there any um, thought that goes or went into, okay, what are we going to do on the Sabbath? Because I heard you say, you know, our only, only, there's only one boundary. Um, and I think the Sabbath is something that you can easily look at it and go, uh, I don't know what to do though. Does it, am I supposed to read the Bible the whole day or am I supposed to pray the whole day? Like how, how did you get to that conclusion of, okay, these are the things that we're going to do on our Sabbath. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'll just tell you kind of a, a perfect Sabbath day for us involves kind of a, a late, you know, kind of moving slowly from the morning. We just like to linger in the morning where we both do have some time to, to read and talk and not have to rush, but we love to get outside and, and living in Southern California lends itself year right. round to that, of course. But I, I find that um, this is really the one day where I can honor God's revelation to us through creation. It's the one day that I can receive that, you know, that one of the, that it it is one of the significant points of God revealing his mercy to us is, is by being outside. So we, we try to plan stuff that gets us out. We, we like to go to the beach. We like to get on our bikes. We like to open the garage door and, and do, you know, like, we like to make little things and mm-hmm. get out saws and stuff like that. We love to get our grandkids and, and you know, and get, to, and get to the park. So we, we try to set it up, but to come to that, we had to, we had to talk about it. We had to, um, we had to discuss this. So that's some of the preparation is who am I? You know, there's a all, discipleship is, is unique. There's not one Sabbath fits all. There's not one discipleship discipline or spiritual discipline that fits all it's we're all unique in our growth and and in our season of life yeah um in in the book in how to unhurry john mark comer has like a like a grid he talks about rest delight worship um and i think for those of us who are are listening right now um notice what craig said like you can still do things on the Sabbath. You know, he's like, we're making things. I got the saw out. That can be delightful. Um, what may be delightful for him, that might be, not, not be delightful for me. And that's okay because we're two distinct, unique people. Um, and what John Mark Comer talks about is this, uh, this grid. Is this restful for me? Okay, check. Is this delightful for me? Okay, check. Is this worship? Check. Okay, if it meets those boundaries, it's free game. Um, and that might look very different for all of us. And that's okay. There, like he said, there's no one size fits all. This is what you must do. And this is how the Sabbath must be structured. Um, it's thinking through that lens of, okay, this is worship. This is delightful. I, I enjoy doing this. Um, and this is rest to me. This brings refreshing and renewal and uh, a spirit of rest to me. So I, I'm going to do it. Um, and, and that's a really important distinction for us to understand uh, as we get into this practice of Sabbath. Yeah, I know, we're, I know we need to move on to a couple of the other ones, but there's two things I really wanted to go for it. Make sure we, I wanted to make sure we highlight that Craig said. One of them was that it's a 24-hour period. It's not Sunday, right? So, um, yeah, Sunday is kind of like what our cold, 
culture says, oh, you know, Sunday's the Sabbath day, but really it's just the 24 hours. So you can make Sabbath work for you in the way you want it. It can like, like mm-hmm. Greg starting at night and then it goes to the next night. Um, and so that's important to, to remember. Like, um, and the other piece is the planning piece of, You've got to be intentional. You got like you heard Craig talk about having conversation with his wife about how we're going to, how are we going to do this? My wife and I have really tried to be intentional in these last few weeks in this COVID time of like trying to figure out how we can do Sabbath well. And it, part of it was like, how much, how many chores do we need to get done on the day before Mm. and knowing there's a boundary, like I can't start a project that's, you know, chore based that's going to go into the next day because this is, you know, we're limited people. I mean, Jesus was the embodiment of limitation, right? You take an omnipotent, all powerful God <laughs> on the present and say, nope, just be here right now in one place. So I'm we're, I'm, we're always trying to be mindful of like, you know, I've been trying to take stumps out of my yard and it's like, there's only so much I can do because tomorrow I'm not doing this, you know, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll read the Bible. We'll, watch church online and, but I'm not doing church all day long on Sunday. Right. I'm right. I'm, I'm you know, Craig's working in the garage on wood or playing with the grandkids or I'm reading Sherlock Holmes or Lord of the Rings or something like, it's just, you hit it, Brandon. It's the light. What's bringing delight. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a great way to, to wrap that up. I want to move to slowing. Um, and this is one admittedly for me, like I I've never given a lot of consideration to slowing down as a spiritual practice. Um, so as I think about slowing, there's a, there's a quote from John Ortberg um, who in his own right is an author pastors written books on this and is um, really a voice to listen to in this area of spiritual disciplines. Uh, and he said, slowing is cultivating patience by deliberately choosing to place ourselves in positions where we simply have to wait. Um, and I thought, man, that's, a, that's such a simple way to put that putting ourselves deliberately putting ourselves in positions where we simply have to wait. And, you know, we're slowing down physically uh, even digitally to, our own souls. Um, and we see even Jesus modeled this for us. I've been reading, uh, through the book of Mark and there's a right in the beginning, the first chapter, uh, Jesus is getting after he's in his public ministry and he is, uh, healing. He's casting out demons. He's teaching and preaching in the synagogues and like, he's hot. Like his name is out and people want to know about him. And you know, he's there's disciples are starting to congregate and gather around him and they're starting to travel and he's uh, in and around his hometown area. And it says at one point, like the crowds couldn't even get near the house of where he was uh, to see him. And it's interesting after that, he goes and gets quiet. He goes and prays, he gets away from everything. And you would think, no, like this is his moment. Like he needs to get on the tour, get to the next town, get to the next village, get to the next place, uh, pick up the pace. Like, you know, you're Jesus. The kingdom has come, like get after it. And you see him being very slow, being very deliberate. Um, and I think there's an intentionality there of why he's going so slow. Um, and in that, you know, I think you can't, really live a life of intentionality. You can't really get to the core of intention without slowing down, without um, 
being unhurried, uh, going slow enough for you to even perceive what's going on around you so that you can make wise and intentional choices. So we, as we think about slowing, Craig, for you, is this a practice that you were familiar with? Um, what has your experience with slowing been like? This is, this is a hard one, Brandon. You know, this, yeah. is, this is hard for us. This is, we are, um, we, we want to match the pace around us in our society and in our thinking and our productivity and our efficiency. It kind of good. It, it, it sinks, it hits into our identity and that's what makes it really, really hard. So it's not just about an outward pace. It's really about an inward pace of, you know, kind of that what's next, what's next, what's next. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, that becomes a pattern for us. It's so hard to break. And so slowing it, it it's tough. And I, so before, uh, I'm, I'm really glad that, that uh, this is included in the ruthless elimination of hurry, but the real, uh, obviously the, the base of this whole book is that hurry itself is an enemy to, to our spiritual growth. It is a distraction to our spiritual growth that we can't hurry and experience the growth and intimacy in Jesus that, that we are longing to experience. So we have to, we have to counter it directly so slowing, slowing is that. Very few spiritual writers write uh, about slowing itself, so we don't have a real context for that. But it is, um, it, I think it's so interesting because, you know, we, the Sabbath is a practice and a, and a discipline that we do really with a, a real church context, you know, the body mm-hmm. of Christ. But slowing is one that we can actually do with our, with our full public. It's in full public. So, you know, there's just some real tangible, some real practical things we can do to begin slowing. And of course, our hope, our goal here, we're going to do these things, even though they're so challenging, so that we can be present. And yeah, over the last few weeks, this is what I've noticed, you know, we, we were put into a, a mandatory slow, everybody. Mm-hmm. And so what did we begin to, what did we begin to express into our families? What did we begin to express on our social media? we began to express that we're beginning to feel more present to the things around us. We're, we're more, we're noticing um, what's happening around our home in our, in our neighborhood. I had so many more conversations with my neighbors because they were, we were all just put into this mandatory slowing. And I was, it was that brought gratitude to me. I became so grateful that I had this opportunity to be present. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's at the core of it. The, the opportunity to be present to ourselves and to our community, to our neighbors, to God. Um, there's a bunch of fun little practices in different ways that we can, well, let's say this first. We have a bunch of different practices and ways that we can actually do it. Rob, go ahead and, and, and share with us some of those things. Yeah, I think it's funny. But before I do that, I think there was one thing I really wanted to jump on that Craig said. I think it's so important, Brandon, you were alluding to it, is that um, slowness is the speed of love. Mm. Right. And, there, and there's, there's a book that was written by a Japanese theologian, Kosuke Koyama, called The Three Mile an Hour God. And it's basically point is like, you know, Jesus walks. Right. And these, all the times in the gospels that Jesus was like, I'm going to wait before I go to the tomb. I'm, or I mean, but before I go see Lazarus, I'm, you yeah. know, I'm, I can, I can be interrupted on the way to something else. Uh, and he, 
you know, he wasn't in a car. He wasn't riding a bike. Jesus walked. <laughs> that's about, that's as fast as he went. He walked. So, and, you know, and then the, the book references that there's a famous exchange between John Ortberg and Dallas Willard about like, what's the most important thing to do in Dallas is like, ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And John's like, awesome. Got it. What else do I do? And Dallas is like, that's it. That's the one. <laughs> Stop rushing. Don't. No. So these, some of these are, I really think are awesome disciplines to practice. How about do this this week, drive the speed limit. And you know, if you're in Southern California, you know, that means you're in the slow lane. So get into the slow lane. Get to the right. The <laughs> drive the speed limit. Put on Come your flashers, a- man. You're dangerous out there. <laughs> <laughs> no, here's something even more dangerous. Let someone go ahead of you in the parking lot after church. <laughs> oh, gosh. Come, come to a full stop at a stop sign, right? When you get that text in the car, don't text back while you're driving. Not mm. only safe, but really there's that discipline of like, just don't do it. You know, slow down. Uh, this is one that's hard. Show up 10 minutes early for appointments. Without the phone, just sit there. Can you just show up? Um, or th- this is like the anti-Costco one right here, the anti-Walmart one. Get in the longest line at the grocery store, or at the Walmart, or at the Costco. Get, find the longest one and get into it. Just make <laughs> practice going slow. Uh, I thought that's, that's hilarious. Uh, you know what I love about that list you just read? It's, these are things um, that we, at its face that we look at and go, that's not really spiritual. How's that going to help me with my spiritual growth? Um, and I think that's what a lot of this walk looks like. That's what a lot of, um, practicing these spiritual disciplines look like. There's so much spiritual growth to be had in just our regular, normal, um, everyday lives that aren't like quote unquote deemed spiritual. Um, it's funny when you said come to a full stop at a stop sign growing up. Uh, I remember my mom that she, she would roll through stop signs and she'd say like, that's called the California roll. So it's funny now living in California and seeing <laughs> the way people drive and the traffic and the speed that Southern Californian people live at, um, which I'm now in this culture. It's just, it's a, that's a funny one to me. And that's something that I, I don't do. And I think about even my own experience, trying to practice this. I remember reading the book and thinking, huh, I've never even thought about that. I'm going to, um, you know, he says, you know, you can make up some for yourself. And I thought, okay, when I go to the the microwave, I'm not going to get on my phone. I'm just going to like punch two minutes in and I'm not going to touch my phone. I'm just going to sit here and wait. And the anxiety that I felt of not being able, uh, going slow and not being able to just to whip up my phone, um, really taught me a lot, one, about how I use my phone, um, but also that I realized, man, I have an inability to just slow down and stop um, without trying to feed myself other forms of information, entertainment, play a game on my phone, get on social media and start scrolling, even for two minutes. This is something I I started doing, and I I haven't told Craig this, but he, he inspired me, although he doesn't know he's done this. For those of you who don't know, you guys don't know this, but you'll, because we're going to have Craig on more episodes. I just, this is going to happen. But Craig is like a coffee connoisseur. I mean, this dude knows coffee, right? So he, he doesn't even 
They're like, he's not content with the K cup, man. This guy roasts his own beans. So oh he's slow, he's <laughs> slowing down. Right. But I'm still sadly to my shame, Craig on the K cup. But when I put that cup in, I don't walk away and trying to do something else. Brandon, like you were saying, like get on the phone or whatever. I sit there and I watch that whole thing happen, which isn't very long. But I think to myself, this is what it's like for the Holy Spirit to push itself through me. And what comes out of me is good flavor and aroma to the mm. world. So even that moment can be a holy moment, a spiritual moment, because I've slowed down enough to make it. Um, Craig, what, how is coffee like? How is that the slowing of coffee, the drinking of coffee with friends, the drinking of coffee by yourself? Like, how does that help us in our I know I'm throwing you on the spot, but like, yeah, you're giving me hope, man. You're on the way right now. You're on the way to, to, to delight. So roasting coffee is actually, it, it hits my Sabbath list too, you know, because it, it, I get great delight out of that. And uh, a longer than a K cup, it takes about 36 minutes to roast a pound. So, you know, there, there you go. You got 36 minutes to get to look forward to of watching this beautiful process take place but the the idea you know coffee in our culture it what a great symbolic part to bring into a slowing is a has long been um this place not i mean we, we've kind of really focused to the caffeine rush that we get from coffee but it's been this place of, of meeting and community that's where that's where um coffee has a very different uh you know, place to help us to understand what's it like to sit and just enjoy a conversation with someone? What's it like to be really present to them again? So, um, yeah, don't get me down the coffee path too far. That's a whole different set of podcasts, but we, uh, I, I do appreciate, you know, the opportunity. Like, so Rob, you and I, we, we have developed a friendship in the last year because we were willing to, to meet each other for coffee first. So there's, there's an intentionality to our slowing. Is that on the list? Who can I, who can I connect with? How can I do this? So, you know, the grocery, the long line at Costco just sounds like sheer pain to me, but the idea of taking an hour of my time to connect with someone to build a new friendship, that sounds life-giving to me. Yeah. That's really good. Speed of love. The speed of love. And Rob, I like that. Uh, Example you gave about the three mile an hour God. What a one, what a title for a book. <laughs> three mile an hour. Um, but Jesus walked. Jesus walked. He walked and look at the power and the influence and um, all of what, what this, happened because of it. You know, and this, this speaks to something that's so important right now. Like, <clears throat> so Craig was saying we've developed, we've developed a friendship and friendship development takes time. Mm -hmm. And, and Brandon, you and I have been entering into a conversation around race. Yeah. Um, You're a black man in America. I'm a white man in America. And there's a lot that I don't know about your experience and how else can I do that without slowing down to sit and listen to my brother in Christ and understand the, the things of your life and understand the experiences of your life. I cannot do that on the fly. I cannot mm. do that by trying to squeeze in 15 minutes or just let me shoot you a text real quick thinking about you. Like it takes, this is soul work. This, this is work that requires a lot of slowing and taking time. That is the speed of love. 
And yeah. it's funny what we'll slow down for. We slow down for the things we love. Maybe that's a whole nother podcast, I guess. What are we slowing sure. down for? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's good. And I think this practice in particular um, really goes against the grain and against the lie of our day and culture that says, if you're not going fast, uh, you can't be efficient. Or if you're not going fast, you can't accomplish anything. It's actually, uh, when we slow down is when we're allowed to be intentional. Um, and I like that the speed of love, that's really good. I want to get to our third practice that we're going to talk about silence and solitude. Um, and this is one, I think that when you hear the, the term that you hear, uh, the name you're going, well, that sounds very painful. <laughs> silence, solitude. I don't want to be alone. What, what, what does that mean? What's going on there? Um, but when we think about silence and in, in this, uh, application, it's, uh, quieting the external noise, right? So you're, you're turning off the TV, you're, you're, you're logging out on your phone or your computer. Um, and then it's also an internal noise, that you're coming to a place of stillness and quiet um, and solitude, getting away so that you can be alone with God and with yourself. And um, that's not a place where you're, it's not an isolation. That's not what solitude is. It's, it's, it's a place of getting alone between you and God so that you can hear God. So what I want to talk about and Craig, I'd love for, to get your thoughts on this as well. Um, how do we, how do we do this? How should we be thinking about silence and solitude? Um, what are, what are things that can be helpful for us to get into this practice? Thanks, Brandon. I think silence and solitude are, um, you know, it may be one of those resistances we have to spiritual disciplines in general. Like when we read about classic spiritual disciplines and we have a, an intro, a 101 you know, type of class into how do I follow Jesus? And, and then silence and solitude pops up and we immediately have this, this reaction. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Um, because it, it, it just presents itself that way. But there's, there is this, um, there's this deep life value in being um, quiet and, and being with God. So that's where, again, this is a relational discipline. But it's, a, it's, it's the mm. most private of our disciplines. So just tying it together where Sabbath is a, a really, it offers a church, a, a full church body of Christ, you know, brothers and sisters together type of context. And slowing is really a public type thing. Silence and solitude are really, they, they are a private, you know, there's a private. And so we, what we've done with that in our culture is we've, we've kind of re, we wanted to get, we want to get comfortable with it. So this is, I'm going to start where you started earlier, Brandon. I'm, I want to talk about a few things that silence and solitude are not. So yeah. they're, they're not, it's not just time for ourselves. You know, it's not just my break. It's not just uh, finding this place where I'm not going to be bothered so I can do the things I want to do. Um, it's not just a place of privacy. I, I have a five-year-old grandson and he loves at our house to um, go in, to rooms, especially our bathrooms, because they have locks on them. And he likes to shut the door and lock it. And he says, I just need some privacy. <laughs> and that's not, <laughs> that's a challenge in many ways, but it's, it's, it's not solitude, you know, that he is mm. trying to, to, to grab right there. Um, it's not just recharging our batteries or hitting refresh. It's not this therapeutic thing. It, there, it's a deep, deep spiritual uh, practice that we are, that we're stepping into when we begin to practice 
solitude and silence. And we do that because God's word just, in, it instructs us that this is the way to life. Uh, Henry Nouwen says, uh, a great spiritual writer says, it, it's the way to, it's the way to deep conversion. This solitude is where our inner life finds conversion. Mm. Um, and I, and that's a process. So that's a process of, of being, um, being formed and transformed into the way of Christ. So Jesus, it was just real practical with him in, we, we see it in Mark, uh, chapter one, that he, he went to solitary places to pray. He got quiet so that he could be alone with God. Um, so to me that, you know, maybe to take that, some of that language, where can, where and when can I be quiet so that I can be with God? I can listen to God. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's important so that you can listen to God so that you can, you're, you're quieting these, uh, other inputs so that you can hear, hear from God. And I think that's something a lot of us can hear and go, well, how, how am I supposed to listen to God? What does that even look like? Well, that, the first step to that is getting quiet is, is getting still being silent. Rob, what does it look like? Is that us? Are we silent for half the day? Is that like, we don't speak or is this a few minutes here and there throughout the day? What, what does that look like for, for you, Rob? Well, <clears throat> Well, for me, what it looks like is finding space, uh, usually two, three times a day to just sit and listen. And I think that, that what Craig said is, is right on that solitude and silence is not divorcing yourself from everything. It's, it's an engagement with God. Mm. So, you know, people say, well, I'm going to try and pray all day, but I, you know, sometimes what I like to think about is like, well, I'm going to pray and listen all day. Right. Cause I, I need to hear, not just keep talking. Um, and these are days for me of listening, but, but practically what, I mean, usually I can do about, um, 20 minutes at night before I go to bed. I just like to be quiet. I just like to sit, maybe have some water, have a cup of coffee and just be quiet. Um, and that is kind of allows my mind to detox all of the stuff that's going around. It allows me to kind of hear what God's saying. And most people do not need to start at 20 minutes. You need to start at two minutes or one minute, just, Mm -hmm. you know, even, even before you open your Bible, can you just take a minute and just, God, I'm going to hear you in the word, but maybe I'll hear you right now. You know, just, yeah take a moment. And so it's finding moments throughout the day where you're just not having external input, but you're listening to that, you know, Christ in you, you know, the Holy Spirit's in you. And so you're not going to know what's going on unless you, unless you find a way to slow down and be quiet. Yeah. And I think, um, the way I like to think about this, like Rob, you're saying you, you, you get 20 minutes and be at night. If you're just going into this, don't, don't shoot for 20 minutes. No, that is, that start is going to be one minute. Start for one minute. I like to say it's like getting into cold water. The first minute, the first 30 seconds, it doesn't feel good. You want to immediately get out of it. But the longer you stay in it, you start to acclimate and you start to adjust and it gets a little bit easier and it gets a little bit more comfortable. Um, so pick a time, whether that's one minute, two minutes, three minutes, that you, that's going to be accessible for you. Um, so maybe it's before you, know, you get in the house from running an errand or from work, it's saying, okay, I'm going to take 
two minutes before I walk in just to get quiet, to get silent and to listen uh, to God. Craig, what is, what has your experience been like with silence and solitude? How's that been for you practicing it? Is it, it's getting that start. Like you guys are referring to. So, um, Richard Foster, who, who's written actually one of the classic works on spiritual discipline, Celebration of Discipline. He's written uh, uh, also a book of prayers, and one of them is, is called uh, Having a Cup of Coffee with God. So here we are back on the coffee thing. But what he, he says is that, you know, the time that he, he sits down with a cup of coffee and, and, and just works his way through that, that, that's a starting point of being quiet. So there's, what he's using is, is something that was helpful to him. So it's just not trying to hard stop his mind, but he's savoring the cup of coffee in quietness uh, mm. to be with God. Another helpful thing for me is uh, I often find to, to get there, like to listen, uh, to jump onto Spotify and, and, and play a song. Uh, I've been, over the last few months stuck on this, on this song uh, called Be Still by Hillsong. And it just, at the end of that song, I stop and I give about that much more time just to be quiet, but to allow that to, to, to prepare me as well. We need some help with that. And then we will get to, if, if we practice this and we, and we train in that way, we will get to these 15 and 20 minute spaces. I love doing retreats. I'm a spiritual retreat guy. And, and I, Rob mentioned that up on the Oregon coast and in Malibu. And, and I, what I really love is, is introducing people to quiet. Yeah. Um, in a, in a beautiful setting, usually in a place that they feel safe and comfortable, that what happens over the period process of a retreat. And I, I try to do a, a retreat every year is that people, it, all the things that we're talking about, they, they take on, they become, they slow, they slow themselves. They become quieter by the end of a retreat uh, where you're really trying to practice this. Usually people, you can hear their voices quiet, <laughs> their voices slow. Mm. Um, we, you know, it, it's just a, such a, but we need some help. We need some help getting started with that. So do the things that will help you. Yeah, I've, I've, that's that's really good. I've even heard um, thinking in terms of solitude is even heard like a of a dog day, like a like a dog, like a D A W G, um, and it's stands for a day alone with God. So I, I've heard some people uh, will pick like one day of the month where it's not the full twenty four hour period. It's like a six hour period or an eight hour period where it's the solitude more looks like getting away from uh, the responsibilities of that day. So it's working ahead during the week so that you can take that day off. And it's, it's used as the dog days, like did a day alone with God too. Um, doesn't mean you have to go and drive out to the desert somewhere. It, it can be right there in your own community. Um, finding those pockets of space and finding those places, you know, one of those places for me is uh, I like to, in the morning, go out on the patio deck and just sit in a chair. And that's a place of solitude for me. I'm not, um, I have no social responsibility there. I don't have to do anything. I can just go and sit there and get still, be quiet. And it's solitude. It's, it feels like it's, it's me and God. And, um, I want to make that distinction for us so that it doesn't have to be, uh, you know, 
you got to spend money and it's a trip and you got to get all, if you can absolutely do it. It's great. Um, but there's also places in your home and around your home. Um, it might just be going to like a, a local park in your area, going and sitting on a bench. Um, you're alone. That's solitude. Rob, do you have any, any thoughts on that? A solitude? Yeah, I, mean, I, one of the habits I have pretty regularly is if, if I, if I'm not doing like a lunch meeting with someone, I sit in my car by myself because I'm not by myself I'm with God. Yeah. And, uh, it's just, it's that moment in the day where I can just, I don't, and I don't have any need to fill it with something. I don't have any need to like, well, I need to listen to, uh, worship music or I have to listen to the Bible or something in this time. I just sit there. It's that comfortable feeling of, mm. for those, for those who have been married a long time, sometimes you can just be at dinner with your husband or your wife and you just, you don't have to talk. You're just there with each other or you're sitting on the couch with each other. And it's just, you're just there. You're not filling it with anything. You're just there. And, and the other practical thing is, man, get away from your phone. Like that thing is like a leash back into the tyranny of noise and urgency and energy and everything. Get rid of, get away from the phone. So for, I just, I love to park under a shady place, drop the windows and just eat my lunch with Jesus. I mean, it's, it's, I can attest to this. I've actually seen you do this, Rob. I actually tried to go to one of your spots and Rob mad dog me out of the parking lot. That's true. I have a certain certain group of squirrels and I think there's even a couple of road runners that are like some pets out there. That's my crew. And we just hang out. (laughs) That's great. That's great. Um, This has been a great conversation, Craig. Thank you so much. Uh, for sharing with us. And like Rob said, we are definitely going to get you back on this podcast. So, so uh, get ready and listeners get comfortable hearing Craig's voice. Uh, He's got a lot of wisdom that he can share with us. We usually end it on a doable and you you guys all know that this is called the doable discipleship podcast. It's the show that helps you grow. So the doable for this week is pick one of these practices, whether that's the Sabbath, um, silence and solitude, whether that is slowing down, pick one of these and commit to, to practicing it this week. Uh, write it down, put it on your calendar, make it an event. Um, I, I think that's really helpful so that when something else comes along, you're saying, no, I'm sorry, I already got something on my calendar. I can't do it. How about next week? But put it on your calendar, carve out, cultivate the time to pick one of these spiritual practices, silence and solitude, slowing the Sabbath, uh, and practice it and listen to the podcast and find one that you feel like is resonating with you right now. Listen to that portion, uh, and put it into practice and try it. And, um, it's just that too. It's a practice. You got to continue to come back to it. You got to continue to try it. So try not to fall into the trap of, I'm not good at this. I'm bad at this. Everyone else can do this, but me, maybe this isn't for me. It is absolutely for you. You can do this. Um, but it's going to take practice. It's going to take a little bit of time. There'll be some stumbling and fumbling and some uh, awkwardness to it, but the reward is there. The gift is there. You guys, Craig, Rob, you have any last words for uh, the audience today? I would uh, just, again, thank you for this opportunity, but let these practices be filled with grace and um, don't, don't compare what you're doing to, um, 
to this high expectation. Comparison is just toxic to our spiritual growth. So, so don't be comparing it and, and just fill it with grace and celebrate it. Yep. Awesome. I, you know, we should be this week, drive slow. Our Saddleback parking lots should be the most grace-filled places. Listeners, I want you all to let someone go first, practice the discipline of not, you know, allowing yourself to be cut off, slow down. We'll know, we'll be able to see it because our parking lots will be amazing. And if I see you at Costco, let me go ahead of you. (laughs) That's good. That's good. You guys, thank you so much for listening today. We will be back again next week with another special guest, Pastor Tom uh, from Saddleback Church. So make sure you tune in next Tuesday. Also, we are also releasing special episodes on Thursday talking about the gospel and race and ethnicity. Uh, So make sure you don't miss those conversations as well. We love you guys. We're thankful for you guys. And thank you for listening today. We'll see you soon. If you enjoyed this episode, consider giving us a rating or review on iTunes. If you do, you'll help other people find us in the future. You can also listen to these episodes on YouTube. Just subscribe to the Saddleback Church YouTube channel for these conversations, plus lots of other video content. And if you are already listening to us on YouTube, subscribe to the Doable Discipleship Podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app so you can listen in the car or wherever else you go. Don't forget to visit saddleback.com slash doable to check out all of our previous episodes and go to saddleback.com slash grow to find spiritual growth resources and view a calendar of upcoming events lastly you can always get in touch with us by emailing maturity at saddleback.com send us your thoughts send us your questions your bible questions your life questions whatever who knows your question might just inspire an upcoming episode thanks again for tuning in to doable discipleship i'm jason Wheeland, and i hope you'll join us again next week